1: This is the Successful Life, it's Corey Barrier, yeah come learn with me, take you down the path of our journey. This is the Successful Life, it's, it's time to take what you learned, apply it to your life, it's your turn. To live a successful life, you are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. I,
2: know,
3: life podcast. I am your host, Cory Barrier,
2: and I am here with my man, Carl. What's up, brother?
3: What's oh, up, man? Glad to be here. Yeah,
2: glad glad you're here. We've been trying to do this for a couple of months now. So, um, you know, actually, I'm not sure. Maybe I met you in Clubhouse. Maybe that's how I met you. I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I think, but I think, we, I think that's when we first ran across each other. Yeah, it, it, Clubhouse has been quite interesting.
2: Uh, you know, <laughs> I've met a lot of interesting people on there. I've met a lot of people on there that, quite frankly, I probably would have never met before. Mm-hmm. What what do you think is going on with that right now? Like, do you think it's going to stay around?
3: Yeah, Clubhouse is fascinating. I haven't spent nearly as much time on it. I spent a lot of time, like a lot of people at the beginning. And I think, you know, we were even talking about this. Clubhouse is around because there isn't a lot of competition. And it's still, they were, you know, they were the first mover. And they're reaping a lot of the benefits of that. Um, I think it's going to have a difficult time um, maintaining this, the traction that it needs and really this, the, the user base that it needs because you can't provide, it's not scalable to provide that much content daily to an audience. I mean, for example, I'm, I'm finishing up my book right now. So my book is eight chapters. If I spent an hour a day, I could go through my whole book in a week and a half and then I'm like, I'm on week three of Clubhouse and I'm just having to regurgitate you know, everything all the time. And so I, I think it's difficult. I think it's gonna be really difficult to just sustain um, the content creators, the guys that are running the room. Um, I think they really, really messed up not having video integrated at the front end. Uh, that's, I think it's just really, it's you were, they had this amazing platform of live panel discussions live podcast essentially and there was no way to capture it and i mean in both of us you know we're we are in the content business at the end of the day and the amount of times like my girlfriend she she would listen to my, my my parenting talks and she would be like i wish that was recorded like i wish that there was a way to like capture everything you just spilled out there and there just wasn't a way to do that um but to your point i met i mean my I met some ridiculous people. I mean, it, it was, I met some amazing people that I have like real relationships with and I like, like a of like contacts with. Um, so I hate that it's died down, but I think that's going to go somewhere. Like, like Twitter spaces tried for a minute. that That's not going to work. Facebook has a, a thing like right now. The problem with all those apps, they sit within themselves. The cool thing about Clubhouse was that that's all that was. So regardless of wherever your home app, whether you were on TikTok, whether you were on Twitter, whether you were on Facebook, you ha- it brought everybody to Clubhouse. So the other apps aren't going to work in this way because you have to go there, create a profile. The great thing about the Clubhouse is that it brought just everyone to a central place. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very bearish on its growth. What do you
2: think about so? How- um, you know, just really quick while we're on this topic. So you've got Spotify, um, the Green Room, and then you've also got Fireside. Are you familiar with both of those?
3: Yes, I'm actually on the Fireside. Like, I've got, I've got one of their beta accounts. Yeah, me too. But mm-hmm. I haven't
2: really messed with it very much.
3: No, so I don't, I don't understand their rollout strategy. Um, I know the guys that back it. Um, I know where their money comes from, which is a huge thing in tech. It's, it's a massive thing in tech that no one talks about. The who backs you is way more than half of the reason why you either take off or you don't. Right. Um, and that's it's all Silicon Valley. Every app you've ever used more than likely took off because of who backed it. Not because of some savant founder. No. Like certain things get pushed and certain things don't. So Fireside has a lot of power, a lot of heavy hitters. Um but it I have Mark Cuban owns it, right? He's one. Of, he's oh. one of the big investors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, he's one of the big investors. And then I forgot. Oh, I can look it up again. There was a um, there, there, like the whoever the big VC is too, or one of the other big investors. I when, I when I read it, I remember thinking to myself like, these guys have all the players. Now they haven't been. At, they, I've been in. They've been in this this beta version for a while. And um, so I, don't, I haven't read about what their, you know, what their deployment strategy is. But then again, with Spotify, like, again, like I'm really tech savvy and I haven't even played around with, with the whole Spotify green room. Like you, I'm on total, just um, what's my word? I, I almost like atrophy with some of this stuff. Like there's so much of it right now that I can't be in all the places at once. I mean, clubhouse really fucked up. Yeah. I mean, their user base has plummeted. And so one, one, somebody will come out of this, and the idea of like of live podcasts or live panel Q&As that anyone can jump into and listen, that will happen 100%. I actually think it's going to happen on YouTube.
2: Well, I think it's already happened on Fireside. So, and look, I, I haven't experienced this myself, but one of the guys that does come in – that I do rooms with quite often – he is pretty regular, I think, on Fireside. And he was saying that it i mean, it pretty much encompasses, one, it records, two, mm-hmm. I think it even gives you the uh, transcript for the room. And I think, I can't remember what else, but I believe you can then obviously turn it into a podcast. One of the two of them, but I believe he said it was Fireside. And,
3: you know, he talked pretty highly about it, but yeah, not
2: really good on it, because
3: it just hasn't it hasn't the only, the only the only issue with fireside is that it hasn't it just hasn't hit it just hasn't hit mainstream yet yeah so whichever one of these take I, which one of them will take off yeah um absolutely and then if it's if it's if it's If it's either Clubhouse or Fireside, it'll be very quickly acquired and, and, and integrated into one of the bigger apps. I do There's no yeah. ways it'll stand alone. It'll be it'll be acquired and consumed and, and integrated into one of the bigger apps. Which is why I don't think, I don't think Twitter Spaces or Facebook, whatever this new Facebook one is, or, um, it won't happen on. It'll happen on on a, on a separate platform. That's just my, yeah. random projection on it.
2: Uh, that makes that makes sense well i will say this clubhouse does have the dm feature now like which you know jesus christ they definitely fucked up by not putting that on to begin with right i mean taking people off the platform to instagram i don't know how that made
0: sense for anybody other than instagram This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by Housecall Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. So this
3: is this. So this where, like everything is done, like with purpose and on purpose. So either they were doing that, so they would already have the integrations at Instagram, so they could get acquired by Instagram. You know that was that was, because out of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Instagram has the least amount of users. Oh, or I, should I, say, I should say profiles, okay. right? Like, I would say it's probably more. It's probably it's more active than Twitter and and Facebook. Um. But you like you would have a Facebook integration. That that's that, that's just the integration you would have, right? Everybody has a, there it's just that's it's the natural integration layer. So my guess is they used Instagram so they could already have that. They either had a partnership already lined up, and I'm completely, you know, forecasting and guessing on this, but it just makes the most sense that they probably had some type of integration set up to where that they were planning for an acquisition there. That that's the only reason why they would they would take you out of the platform and in, 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 unless they, were, they had to have been incentivized to do so it makes it no sense
2: makes no sense
3: yeah so, and adding a dm feature isn't hard
2: well i mean my god it took them a, a year and a half to get it one would think that it was a nightmare but it was, yeah. like, that's not a difficult feature that's so weird though Right, I mean, it just doesn't. Well, it's not weird if they have, uh, you know, something lined up. Now that makes all the sense in the world. However, somebody did evaluate them at four billion dollars far before they crashed, Um, and I don't know who that was or who offered that or whatever. But I bet they're kicking themselves in the ass right now for not taking it.
3: They waited so long to raise money. They raised at its peak. They they raised money three months too late um man, i wonder who this was they're this gonna kill me but yeah they raised money so late i and i that's that's not that i'll never understand like they, they botched being first to market in the in one of the most amazing ways <laughs> Just, yeah like, i
2: it's it's really strange it really is but you know they're growing pains i guess with everything but man Maybe they just didn't think it was going to take off like it did. I don't really know, but, um, but they missed the boat. And
3: it is what it is. So, you know, the, the ability to have like, look, the ability to have untethered access is in demand. Um, the ability to, I, the whole idea of like of of self development has been around forever. If you were if you were in the either the MLM industry or the sales industry the notion of self-development has been around for decades outside of those industries. Not, it it definitely wasn't, definitely wasn't mainstream. You know, it wasn't really in suburbia unless you were an MLM mom and um, or an athlete, but, but athletes version of self-development is hiring a coach for, you know, whatever sport is that you play. And the idea of the common person, the middle management at a company the insurance sales guy, the, you know, Northwestern mutual sales guy, whatever. Like the idea of them investing in personal development, that's a last five years thing. Last yeah. 10 years kind of thing. So having, having access to these, to these certain people is certainly in demand.
2: Without a, without a doubt, dude. And here's the other thing that's really weird. So like, you know, Grant Cardone, I don't know, let's, let's take it back four months four months ago mm-hmm. if he came in the room i think it would fill up i don't know 1,000 1,500 people I mean, he's got 600,000 followers mm-hmm. now if he breaks 200 people
3: it's a home run yeah but think about it but here's but here's why he was on there every day how many unique things can he tell me as great That's as so he is and i don't Ooh. care what people's opinion are is on him like like the guys he's he's amazing and he's incredible he just is you know I, I people have mixed feelings on him i'm like i'm not trying to be his best friend or the best man at his wedding i'm not trying to buy his company but he's done some pretty amazing shit yeah i don't have a plane so huh. if you just keep it right there he just can't like i don't have time to listen to him fire me up every day and oh. that's where i think it I, that's where i think it really messed up i mean if you have if you hold like let's say that you have a room, like you, are a, you have a club. If there's a, if you, I think it would be so much work if you had one talk a day, not fucking six, like some of these clubs do, and the topic was different every day. I think that would be hard. Are you, truly, hard. Are you truly creating value? Now, where I think that there's a massive upside is if you said every Tuesday and Thursday, we, we have a room for an hour and a half. And the first 45 is a talk. The last 45 is Q&A open discussion. And every Tuesday is on sales and marketing. Every Thursday is on, I don't know, general business. Like if I'm a consumer, I can be like, yeah, I can, I'll put that on in the background. You know, once a week, you know, listen to Corey, you know, spit some interesting things. Um, have some guests on that, have some cool stuff. Wait, I can get behind yeah. that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where I went wrong with my, well, Callie and I ran that room. We did, it, we did it literally twice a day. And you, dude, it's, it's fucking unbelievably exhausting mm-hmm. from a, from a standpoint of one, like you said, trying to come up with just what to talk about day in and day out. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta actively listen. If you're the one running the fucking room, like you've got to right. listen Mm-hmm. and and i don't know about you but like i i'm a, I'm a one track guy like i gotta if i'm doing one thing i can not do anything else like i need to do one thing good and that's it i can't split my time well technically nobody can really give a hundred percent in two places because the math doesn't work out
1: <laughs>
2: right so you know but for me i i can't you know i can't even tie my shoe or i'll miss something like so, it's really like I'm unbelievably intentional while I'm on there, which, you know, sometimes it's like, my, the talks go off, go in all kinds of different directions, and then you got to pull people back in, whatever. Um, it is what it is. Like, I mean, it, it's been interesting. And I, I will say, I will say this for sure it's helped my speaking
3: significantly sure. because I've
2: done it so many times now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, you know, and that's, it,
3: And that's probably why, you know, I've been, I've been doing, I've been going live on TikTok for 44 weeks now. And that had a huge, that was a huge huge advantage in my speaking. And so when I got on Clubhouse, you know, a comment that I got from a lot of people was, oh, like you, you're a really good speaker. Like you're really good at reading the room. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, I've been doing this every week. And my first TikTok, like my, my first lives, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought that, so I did have I, I did have a big advantage. Um, like I'm already, I, I was moderating a lot of rooms that I think people were kind of like, I don't I don't know who you are, but I know who you know everybody else is, and it's hard. Like you're just looking like you're just looking into your phone, like it's all you're doing. You can't see you can't see anything. It's it's definitely challenging to run those conversations.
2: Yes, it is.
3: Definitely is, and not to mention, like, man,
2: I got like massive headaches because of staring at that damn phone for so long. Like, unbelievable. I mean, it's well, it's not good for you, like, we all know that it's not good for you to stare at the phone for that amount of time. But you know, I I don't know how these other guys do it. You know, you can't tell me you're on Clubhouse for 14 hours a day and you're making nine figures. Sorry, dude, I don't buy it.
3: Yeah. We could probably do a whole podcast on that topic.
2: <laughs> probably, yeah. There's some definitely some interesting people on there for sure. And you know what? Those interesting people, they know how to work the damn room, dude. They know how to work it, they know how to do it. It's like, good God, oh, I don't know how they do it. Like, I just don't even know how they have the brain capacity to spend that much time, you know, arguing mm-hmm. with people or getting into de- heated debates with people or whatever. Right, I'm sure you know some of the people I'm talking
3: about. Well, yeah, I mean, you see, you see so many interesting human dynamics. Um, since there is a voice component and it's not just texting, you know, it's like I wonder what you would say if you had just reply to me on Twitter right now. But since you are talking, like, you just you hear how ignorant people are. You truly yeah. do, and on both sides, like, on both sides, whether it's political on both sides of the aisle, whether it's on social issues. Both sides sound so ignorant when they cannot effectively communicate their perspective. And the first part, and you know this in sales, uh, I, I, I've always said like the, my, my bestseller book that I'll write one day will be the reason I was so good at sales because I was single trying to get laid. The parallels are re- ridiculous. Like you'll never get laid trying to insult a girl. And I don't care what you say about the whole, like the bad guy gets her, she plays hard. It's all bullshit. Like you want to get laid, you make a girl feel good about herself and you make that come from you. It's so simple. right? If you want someone to hear your perspective, if they disagree with you, the first thing you must do is make them feel heard and understood. Not that you agree with them, but simply that they were heard. You can impact so many people that disagree with you if they simply feel like, there was space for them to be heard. You listen to some of these people on Clubhouse and I'm like I can hear your heart beating it's going so fast. Chill out. Like if I did drugs, I tell you to go do them. I'm like bro like and I'm like I even agree with you and I I you make me not want to. So it's on <laughs> both it's on both sides but you know it's it's so quickly like what's that what's that phrase and it's like I didn't know you were full. So you opened your mouth or it's better to be thoughtful than, you know, speak it and tell them. Really yeah, yeah. There's so much of that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I agree with you. And, but at the, here's the other part though, you, you do get to sift through, I mean, if you don't know what you're talking about, it's very apparent when you open, yeah. When <laughs> anybody opens their mouth and man, some people have just been the butcher themselves because they should have never opened their mouth.
3: Well, and a lot of people are very passionate, like, especially when you get into certain topics, people, they have, they have a perspective and a point of view that they're tied to emotionally. And that whenever your emotion, you know, overrides your perspective or logic, um, you, you just will never, forget winning an argument, you're, you're never going to sound intelligent enough, intelligent enough to have the argument.
2: Well, and in, to that point, I mean, look around. Like, there's still people mm-hmm. wearing masks. There's still people driving in their car with masks on. And that's how you have to view it. That they're so emotionally tied in with this outcome. With the last year and a half, they can't let it go. They can't believe any different than what they what they've convinced themselves of. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad, really, because. You know if you get out from in front of the television and just 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 do the math right just, just do the math because it doesn't add up and that's it like it, it's, it's fairly simple
3: yeah i have um obviously I've, I've had this conversation quite a bit and and again i i correlate everything back back to like sales or getting laid so like i could i could tell a girl i'm the best she's ever had and you, you, you think she's going to believe you like you sound like every other arrogant you know right you know chad she's ever come across but it's no it, it's no different in sales like you can tell a prospect or a client and especially in the software software world where i spent the last 15 years you know you're doing these seven eight figure deals they're a year and a half to get the deal done massive corporations are are, are doing these deals you're not gonna go tell the cio or the cto of a you know, billion dollar company, like, Hey, trust me, or, Hey, I'm right. This is not how it's going to get done. And I think it's no different with this, like telling people either that they're right or they're wrong, isn't going to change anyone's perspective. And I'll give you an interesting story. So, you know, in my house, we've had, um, uh, you know, I look at things on a very logical perspective. Like if we, if we had the world's most deadly virus in the world, like, how come it didn't eradicate the homeless? Right. Like, how come, like, like, what, if, if we're real, if we truly are trying to like, take care of people, then how come we're not giving away ins- you know, insulin, shots for free? Right. Like, like, just, just logical questions regardless of, of if what you think. And the reality is like, I mean, COVID exists. It's a real thing with the, with the, that is super contagious. Beyond that, we've been f- completely lied to no matter what side you believe on. Like it's, it's all been a, a giant ruse, like after that factual point. And so with me and my girls, you know, I, especially like during COVID, you know, the, my stance is always like, look, like the, the store clerk, like it, the, she didn't pick this hell, this hell to die on. So we would wear a mask into the stores if we had to, cause I wasn't going to fight with like the hourly worker clerk, who's just trying to fucking work. And like, they you know it sucks they had like implement this stuff and then around march um i was in texas for meetings and they had lifted their mask mandate and when i got back i was like i'm done like i'm I'm just gonna make people tell me otherwise and so me and my daughter just stopped we just stopped wearing them and no one said a word to us and they had I'm i'm in new jersey and they hadn't lifted it yet and so we take an uber i bought a new car and we were Ubering from my house to the dealership to go pick it up. And they had lifted the mask mandate. So the guy the Uber was like, can you guys, you know, you gotta have your mask on. I asked him, I said, well, why? And he said, cause, cause you have to. I said, well, you don't have to. They've lifted the mask mandate. And he was like, well, not in Jersey. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, not Uber. I said, well, I was just in Texas. I, I didn't wear an Uber. So we just I just, I was like I'm, I want to know like is this a you thing or a them thing like just just share with me why, and he said because I've asked you to and um, and he was a black guy obviously me and my girls are white which is a, is an element of this overall story and so I said okay so me and my girls we we put the mask on and I said I just want to know like just share with me why and. He, and he gets into this whole story about how his daughter has um, cerebral palsy and how she's super, super at risk as well. And he also works at a hospital during the day when he's not driving Uber. And he's just really concerned about making sure that he doesn't bring anything to the house. And I was like, I totally respect that. 100%. If you, me, if you as a human, ask me as a human to wear a mask, man. Like I can respect you as a human. I said, I don't respect being told just because. And we and so we have this whole conversation on the whole way there. And he said, I don't, I don't talk with people like this. I said, Yeah, we had a pretty, we had a pretty difficult start, didn't we? And he was like, Well, I kind of I thought you were kind of coming at me. And I said, Well, I'm I'm it probably did feel like that. And I said, I appreciate you continuing the conversation. Because at the end of the day like he had legitimate concerns as a human and unless i'm a, unless i'm just a complete asshole like which i hope that i'm not like i can respect another human and that's completely different than the government telling us shit to do with asinine quote-unquote facts and i think we've lost this completely in society because people are willing to die on the hill right now that their point of view was right or wrong or whatever. We've completely lost, this idea that your neighbor can check on you to see if you've been vaccinated. I mean, like, you like, like we used to like get butter from our, and milk from our neighbors. Right. But like, they used to like watch our dog for us. Yeah. we they, they didn't be like, hey, like, can you watch the dog if you're a Republican? Like that wasn't right. how the conversation away. Definitely not. So we've lost this idea, not this idea but this notion of just like, just simple respect for for others. Cuz so I have no problem doing something that somebody asked me to do for them, for whatever it is that they're going for. That to me isn't complying. That isn't saying that I'm I am or that I'm not scared of covid. That's me having a sympathetic heart for a human and I'm totally cool with that. I think that that would impact, that would change what we're going through tenfold if we can get over this idea that Either political party gives a shit about us because they don't, and we actually just start like being humans again. If that makes sense.
2: It makes total sense. And I think, I think the point here is that you know, if there, if there's a val- like you said, if there's a valid concern with the other, with whomever you're that's asking, to do, it's totally reasonable if there's a valid reason. But the kid at Target hunting me down to put, make me put a mask on—that's not a valid reason don't mm-hmm. fucking hunt me down in the store and she basically shame me for not wearing mm-hmm. a mask. like, And, you know, last night we were at dinner and this lady, the lady came in, put her mask on before she walked in and I'm like, I, I told my wife, I was like, I fucking hate seeing that. I said, I hate it. I said, you know, and she said, well, Corey, you know, you really got to think about it like this. That, you know, Yes, did people give us a hard time because we didn't wear the mask? Absolutely. But we didn't really feel like we should be shamed for not wearing a mask. So we probably shouldn't shame other people. And I wasn't shaming her. I wanted to, but I I mean, I'm not gonna do that because that would just be rude. Um, And so, you know, maybe it's a valid point. Like it's a valid point. Maybe, Maybe she has that same story as your cab driver or your Uber driver. Mm -hmm. Who knows? We don't know, but if you do have that story, Help!
3: Just tell people that you're you're gonna get ten times better response. Yeah, or like, just don't just go do just go do whatever it is. I mean, like the person at the, at the restaurant, like there's no reason for you and that person to engage. And we've also like I think like the number of stares that I've gotten from people when I when I like I don't have my mask on at certain things. I'm like, yo, I'm pretty sure like go th- go take care of your glass house. I, I'm yeah. good. We're, we're like we're good. We're good. Like that, that, that idea too, and, I, and I've, I've had to catch myself because I would say that I'm very aware of human interaction, emotional you know, intelligence and whatnot, but my Achilles heel are my two girls. And it hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to people that I know where, you know, people will make comments to kids about not having their mask on. And then, you know, parents will be like, well, don't parent my kid. And then I've, I've seen situations where, you know, a person will be like, well, if you were parenting them, I wouldn't have to say anything. And I'm like, the good Lord has blessed me with not having that situation because I can go from here to zero, unfortunately, very quickly when it comes to, and it's, and it's, it's them. I can take, you know, my girlfriend and I can be out somewhere and, you know, honestly, leave a situation my sister and I were hiking, we're hiking and someone made a comment in the, on a national park trail and I can keep going, but you make a comment to my daughters and we're going to have a conversation real fast. And I've been lucky that, that I haven't, um, I haven't had anyone step to me in that way yet. And I, but I I know friends that they know they've had people make comments and I've seen, you know, situations where people have made comments to kids and i'm like that'll be my achilles heel
2: yeah well hopefully that won't happen so yeah i don't know dude it's a a mess but hopefully it's about over i I really hope it's interesting though um i am interested to hear what your thoughts are on on the the folks fleeing texas and and I, i don't think they're back yet right i mean
3: no but they got a pretty big so they got a pretty big spoonful of reality when they went to dc and didn't so that if you've read i don't know if you've read you know, yesterday and today about it they went to dc and didn't get the warm welcome i think they were hoping for from people in dc and it's because one of the things that you very quickly learn about dc is that it like texas is the biggest and i think greatest state in the fucking country and even if you're from the state legislator of texas you're not worth the shit compared to a podunk congressperson from washington state like you're you're not and so you don't run up the capitol hill and think you're gonna like start controlling how things happen in dc you are the state legisl- legislation and you are the minority party of a state legislation so it was a cute little pr stunt and their advisors should have told them to stop, like just stop. Like when you guys land in DC, like just go to your hotel rooms. Like that, that should have been the end of that whole thing, because it—it it, they looked bad. Um, because the reality is, is that when it comes down about the whole like the whole voter like topic is. Has nothing to do, nothing to do with race or oppression. No, nothing. And both sides know this, because Republicans aren't any better. We're just as dirty, in different way, in different, in just in different ways. So the idea that Democrats are like making this whole aspect around like how voter, like voter suppression is racial and sh- shut up, stop it. Like that's like stop. And Republicans, you know, like we, we fight the dumbest fights. We fight the dumbest fights. Abortion is never going to be overturned, ever. It'll yeah. never be overturned. I applaud those who who fight it. It's never going to be overturned. Every minute we spend not fighting other solutions for that same topic is wasted because actually fighting Roe v. Wade will never happen in our lifetime. Like the idea of fighting like mail-in voting. You can mail in everything. Everything you should be able to mail in, you you, you can mail in. So you should should be able to mail in your vote. The reason it didn't work was because everything else has an infrastructure in place. There was no infrastructure in place to handle mail-in voting. That should have been the argument. Not that... You as an American should go stand in line, shut up. We sound so dumb when we, when we make arguments sometimes. You can mail in everything. Also, you need an ID for everything. That, that should be, the reason the Democrats are winning this fight is because they're saying, oh, it's race. Oh, it's oppression. And Republicans like idiots are over here just fighting all the wrong fights. It, 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 we shouldn't even acknowledge that argument. We should simply say that for the integrity of elections and because you need an ID to validate everything else you do, just like mail-in voting, you can mail in everything else. Like, yes, you should have mail-in voting. Yes, you should have to prove you have a vote. Right. And in the last 10 years, Republicans have sucked at fighting the right They Democrats kick our ass with social topics. We fight all the wrong battle within the battle. Like mail-in voting should absolutely happen. You can mail in your birth certificate. Right. You need an infrastructure in place. That that, that was the complete missed thing. And so this you know, these people, these Democrats, there was there was like this guy, he seemed like he was 12. I don't know. This this video, it was on Fox News of this like Democrat getting like interviewed. I don't know if you saw this clip, but this kid with this. I say, kid. Hell, he's probably thirty. This baby-faced guy, Congress, um, state—you know, state rep—and he was getting. I mean, kudos for him for going on Fox. I think his team set him up poorly. He should have never been on that interview. But um, like, he was just getting grilled with questions, and every time he tried to answer, he was like trying to bring it back to Trump and bring it back to like everything was gonna be being brought back to race. And the reason they did this was because I guarantee you that this guy was from a purple district. And so all they're trying to show is that look like I'm, I'm conservative at heart. That's why I'm on Fox news, but I, I care for people. That's why I'm a Democrat. I guarantee you a lot of those Democrats were from very purple. Like districts, because if not, if your district's blue, then what the hell are you doing? Trying to piss anybody off. You have a blue district in Texas, like just go sit and be happy. I agree. So it Uh, it was, it it was, and here's the last thing I'll say about this whole topic, too. Any idiot in the world who doesn't think this is set up politically should go look at the picture of all of them on the private plane without their mask on. So these motherfuckers on a private plane, by taxpayer money, without masks. And then you have to go sit your peasant tail on a commercial flight for seven hours across country with your mask on. If that's not them spitting in your face and you don't have any more respect for yourself than that, that's a you problem. I agree, dude. I agree. And I wonder, you know, because it's,
2: I don't know, I don't think it's a law, but I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure that's illegal, right? Or, or it's, it's, it's certainly frowned upon without a shadow of a doubt, because as you mentioned can't get you can't walk hardly to the airport i mean you can you can walk to the airport without the mask but certainly can't get on the plane without it and yeah if they, so, and if they think you're going to give them a problem they'll just kick you off yeah ban you forever
3: that's the whole difference between private aviation and, and commercial right like so it's like when you're in your own car you don't have to have a mask on but if you were to get on the amtrak like i'm pretty good to have a mask for amtrak like, so any kind of mass transportation that the federal government oversees, that's what they've made the mask. And then the, that's the whole point is that they were on a private jet. That's, what they, that's why they got away with it. But if you can't look at, if as a citizen, if you, have, if you are not capable of looking at your, your representatives who are quite literally living by a different set of rules than you, you would think this is medieval times where it was, you know, you know, rules for thee, but not for me. Right. That's written with, by T H E E that fuck whole fucking phrase is written. Like it's been around for a long time because that's how it used to be way back in the day. That isn't a new phrase. We're not supposed to be under like King and emperor rule anymore. We're not supposed to be town peasants. These are supposed to be elected officials from our communities. And if you can't look at that photo and realize, you know, if 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 these if these politicians believed that it was so dangerous. Like here's another good example. So um um gosh, um it was it Prince Harry and his wife, um Megan. No, no, right. then it's William. William and his wife, like the the beautiful elegant one. Why Kate Middleton. Okay. So they were at um what was it, the French Open? It wasn't Wimbledon because Wimbledon's dirt. Oh yeah, this was Wimbledon.
2: Yeah,
3: a week yeah. ago. They're, they're at Wimbledon, with thirty thousand people. They are literally heirs to royalty. If this if if COVID was so bad, you think that the direct heirs to royalty are sitting center court at Wimbledon? Get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here! Yeah, like that's where I look at like the logic. They are the direct heirs. That is a future king of England. Like. You can jeopardize she, that. You would not jeopardize that. R- of course. Right. Of course they wouldn't jeopardize this. Shit, they killed, they, 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 like, they'll, they'll kill your wife. Right. You think, I mean, they, they took out Princess Di because she was a threat. You don't think they'd put you in a box if COVID was real? Like, no, no, no. Like, stop.
2: No, you're like, absolutely COVID-19. right. No, you're right. Hundred percent, and and you know it's, but people don't. If you don't want to see that, you won't see it. And if you're emotionally tied to this shit that's been going on, then you know you probably have some sort of block. Maybe I don't know. I I don't know. It's it's the strangest damn thing.
3: People don't want to believe in their hearts that the people they elect don't have their best interest in mind. And I get it, like I, especially if you've always believed that. I mean, we see it, yeah. I, I, we see it at the top of the with the presidency more than anything else. We, I, I think we've seen it on, on party lines, at least in our lifetime, more than ever before. It's so. It's like either a, like a, ba- a really bad breakup, or if you go through a, a, through a divorce, everyone that I talk that that goes through divorce, one of the hardest parts. Of going through a divorce isn't what the other person did to you it has nothing to do with the other person it's that you got it wrong you what you thought of that person your picture of that person your projection of your life together was all off that's what's heartbreaking you're like yeah this person broke my heart but I believe they that they were something different. That isn't a knock on the other person. The other person never agreed to your, the future state that you put them into. Like they didn't agree. Did y'all like mutually agree to to this end state that you had in your mind? Well, no, the heartbreak comes from you got it wrong, and that's hard to get over. Politicians don't. They don't. They don't break up with us, so we never have to experience it. But I think the hardest part is that. We don't want to detach from the fact that we might have gotten it wrong, so we don't think that they would ever mislead us. We don't, and I look, and I'm a massive patriot, you know, all in on USA, and I don't want to ever admit that my own country could could lie to me about something. I love this country more as much as anyone you've ever met. So yeah, it's it's hard to truly swallow and admit that. Do I think that our government could lie to us? Yeah, they fucking could. They have, and they will, and they will again. Absolutely.
2: I think what, what bothers me, I think the most out of all of it is that you know, for you know, I'll say for 42, 43 years old, for forty two years, I, I assumed, you know, if you turn on the news, mm-hmm. that you're getting pretty legitimate answers, and like this is where you go get your worldly information because these folks are they this is the spot right and i think that's the hardest thing for me without with this whole thing is that and i wasn't ever really a news person necessarily but the fact the mistrust that i have now with everything like i question everything now and i hate that it bothers me because it's both inconvenient let's say that for one and two it's disappointing because my view of the world, of the news, of of the information that we were given, was was wrong.
3: It was wrong. Yeah. So there's there's a few points on that. I mean, one of them is I don't. So not everyone's experienced what you've experienced. So I, I don't. I think that I. So I went through. I could. I went through this actualization process that. The information that we were getting wasn't accurate pretty early on um, in COVID, right when the, the BLM protests happened, because it didn't logically make sense. And um, this, the series of events did not make sense to me. And I remember feeling super isolated because I, I felt like I was on, a, like on this island, because I wasn't, I was against. I wasn't against or for anything. I sat super just almost like in either like idling, like in neutral for the first few months. And I've seen the vast majority of people just um, sit in whatever land they were in beforehand. Or they're just completely agnostic, which I think saddens me more than anything else. Or how many people I know are just, they all got the vaccine just because life would be easier. And, and i and i'm like part of me is almost like i wish i could like I, I, life just seems more simple in your head like i almost like wish i i had that that level of simplicity sometimes and so there's one like i think that like i don't think everyone goes through what, what we went through on that um that was that realization the scary aspect is thinking about how long we processed information before having that realization. Cause it isn't new, it, it didn't like this, this didn't just start, it just started to show its face. This isn't a new thing. And I think that was probably one of the harder things for me to, for me to really swallow was like, what, not what else that I believe in, but just how many things that I not questioned previously. How many things that I did I go along with? how many things um, did I blindly follow? Uh, you know like so I'm, I'm I'm not following this, but I'm sure there's been plenty of other instances where I did follow and not even be half as aware.
2: Yeah, well, the other thing too is like you know there's been a lot of stuff that's come out about people that are in Hollywood and and just all like, awful shit you know i mean you I'm, you know exactly yeah. what we're talking about like it's heartbreaking to think like in, in the, look and i'm still in the camp of um i guess i think it's social dissonance or where it's just so awful that you can't wrap your head around it and believe that person could be doing that thing mm-hmm. and you know i'm i still struggle with that So i'm like You know, there's this person that maybe I grew up watching in movies, and now I find out, like, they're a massive piece of shit.
3: Yeah. I mean, so, yes. And that gets into a couple of things. You know, one that gets into us looking at certain people for more than they've agreed to be looked at. And this is why I've always loved John Daly and Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley will tell you that he wouldn't uh, he's not, he's not here to be your kids, you know, your kid's mentor. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's like, that's, we've we've, we've admired people who didn't agree to be admired. We've said that we should admire you because you're on TV. And what they've said is, no, I've agreed to hit a baseball really far or I've been, I've agreed to play basketball really well. You agreed that I should, I should inspire you in morals, values, ethics, tell you that that you should want to inspire people if you have a platform but you know they've never agreed to it right um but to your point there's a lot of sick fucking people in the world yeah and what i think the hollywood thing has done for me is that those are people that have access to resources and and they they simply have access to more fucked up shit. Yeah. So you want to really put your mind for a spin? How many people around you? I don't even want to know this answer. Like, but if they had access to all the same stuff, are they no different than, than the elites? Great question. We so we think we think that it's most of Hollywood, right? Right. No, but it's scary. The scary part is that it's most people. That is scary. Like it's it's. I mean, I don't know if you, if you remember the, um, like the Michigan State, um, uh, it, you know, whole like um, scandal with the gymnastics teacher and all of the just uh, like sexual abuse and emotional abuse that happened at Michigan State, uh, like, on, through all, like all the gymnasts and he was on the, was on the national team and all the abuse with like the national team. I don't think to myself, like, you know, my daughter's eight, she's on a competitive cheer team. She's at that, she's at that gym for six hours a week. I'm obviously not there and um, like this shit could so easily be around so many other places. I'm not saying that, that it is right. A lot. I was an altar server my whole life. My, you know, my priest never touched me, but that shit's happened. So it doesn't happen everywhere, but it definitely happens. And I think it happens way more one of my favorite quotes is like, you know, don't ask questions you don't want answers to.
2: Because mm-hmm. you have done that multiple times.
3: Like, I, I don't even know if I want to know this shit that's probably just walking in front of your house every day. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to know. I don't really want to know because I'm, I'm okay living now
2: without knowing. I, don't, I, really just, I just don't need to know. My wife, you know, she digs she goes down the rabbit hole deep as fuck, and like, I'm like, look, what are we gonna do? Like, what what are you gonna do about it? nothing? Like, yeah. you're getting all this information, but like, what are you really gonna do? You can't change it. No, you could, you could try, I guess, but fighting losing battle.
3: Yeah, it is, and it's it's it'll keep you up at night. You know that's why. I, so I I've thought, I've thought a lot about this. I I've thought a lot about how do I pre- prepare my girls for situations that I'm, not, that I'm not in? Like what, with the son, totally different. You still prepare, like you still prepare you know, your kids for situations that you're not a part of. But what I would teach him, I'm guessing, I only have daughters, but I'm guessing is different than what I would teach my daughters. And um, so we would set of, we have a set of core values at my house. We've got five of them. It's, you know, Epilitos, the word can't is not allowed in my house. Absolutely. It's worse than saying fuck. Like, it's the worst word you can say. You can say, I'm struggling. I need help. This is difficult. You can ask for help. All the things. We do not say the word can't. Um, and as and, and as like toddlers, if they said the word can't. They would have to recite, can't never could. Like, that was drilled into them. The other thing is, is that we don't quit. So we can fail, we can try again, we can ask for help, we can do a whole plethora of, of options. You don't have to. You don't have to win. You don't have to be successful, but we simply are not allowed to quit. And then, um, and then, it's, then it's uh, kindness, love, and respect. So, as when I became a single dad, the first thing I realized was like I was just overwhelmed and insanely overwhelmed. There was no way I could pull it all off. So my my faith went through the roof because I was like, look, I've never doubted you, God, but we're about to find out real quick because I can't do this alone. Just simple as that. And I don't have the, I don't have any family or friends up where I live. And so, and the second thing was I learned really quickly and really early on that I I was not able to parent every action a kid has. So 80% of communication, parent-child communication is either negative. Or it's command driven. It's do this, do that, come here, pick that up. Or it's negative. Don't do this. Don't do this. Stop that. But that's eighty percent of parent-child communication. And that's exhausting. I, like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, it's not possible for me just to do that all by myself. And so what I started to do is we started to simply judge every action against our baseline, which is was it loving, caring, or respectful. So if it wasn't our kindness, rather, so if it wasn't if it wasn't kind. If it wasn't loving, it wasn't respectful. We shouldn't have done it. Whatever it is, if it was one of the three, we should probably talk about it. And if it's two of the three or three of the three, then it's probably the right choice. And that I simply made that up because, and I also can't prepare them for every situation. There's just I, I won't even if I wrote everything down. I could keep writing every day forever, always with different scenarios, because my hope is that one wherever they are that i'm not at i want them to always act in a loving caring respectful manner and then two i want them to recognize that they're being treated a certain way i want them to be, able to be able to recognize like that wasn't that wasn't kind that wasn't loving and that wasn't respectful so i'm not supposed to accept this kind of behavior in my life if it's not one of those 30 because so there's some fucked up people out there
2: absolutely absolutely so i'll tell you a quick story that, you know, there's a guy that, I, I met him at our gym, he, he, he retired, military, military guy, he just retired, and and he teaches self-defense, and I was talking to him one day and he was like, well, he said, well, let me tell you a quick story about this girl in New York. She got thrown off of, uh, you know, she this guy beat the shit out of her, raped her, and threw her off a building, and she died. He said, um, you think it makes sense that that girl has some sort of self-defense before the, uh, before it happened or after it happened? And I don't know if I told the story exactly right. The, b- the point he, he, the point he was making was just be prepared. And so, and he, it wasn't a sales pitch or maybe it was, and I bought it, but I'm a sales guy. So that's not shocking. Um, so and so uh, naturally we hired him in, 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 I'm comfortable knowing that my twelve year old can drop a dude that's two hundred p- pounds like
1: that. Like it's massive.
3: Massive. I, I, I agree with that. I, uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's so it's so funny, man. There's so much to unpack by that. One of my whenever I do sales consulting, I always say, I always tell the story. I'm like, look, you don't remember every car, you know, every insurance commercial you've ever seen but you damn sure remember every all state commercial you've seen cuz you have got the black guy commentating and there's a damn car wreck where somebody dies behind you man selling i mean it's like selling disasters you yeah, know that's 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 a that's that's a tried and true tactic in, in sales for better it for absolutely. worse yeah it absolutely is and we are the best consumers sales guys we buy everything this idea that sales guys like because we're in sales we can break down like we know when we're being pitched to and we can break it down no we're the worst at car buying. We're the worst at home buying. We're the absolute worst. You want a good deal? Don't call a sales guy. Right. No, we don't ever want to admit that, but it's so true.
2: Yeah, dude. I don't even want to answer the door when there's somebody knocking on it to sell me something because, regardless if I need it or not, I may buy it anyway. Yeah. 100%. Because I, it's the lay down. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it makes me furious, but it happens every time. Like there's, I don't know if there's any in, in their brain because we're in sales or what, but there's something missing for tour. Sure. Yeah. So um,
3: it, like you're, you know, having your daughter being, you know, having that skill set. I think it's, it's definitely twofold. It's one, do they know a situation's happening before it happens, which is what I'm always fearful of. I mean, like, so, I mean, Joe Rogan has one of the best, um, one of the best like jokes on this and he's like I love women love them I got all daughters mom like one wife he was like but I'm pretty sure if I had one hand tied behind my back and I was sick with the flu I could beat the shit out of him let's see he's like I like that doesn't mean I don't love women like because this was right after there was like a, somebody like charged the white house and he got past like the only female guard and he was like yeah like I, she couldn't stop me either right. and so but the point being like my one of my hopes is that i can influence my girls enough before that because even if you know some shit strength wins a lot of the time and then to your point yeah like my girl is so I train with a professional boxer here in Philly and he's got a son who, who's my oldest daughter's age. And so my daughters have kind of just hung around the gym whenever I'm training. And this is pretty funny actually. So my, my daughters, they know how to hit gloves just from me doing it. And about a year ago, my oldest had hit my hands and I was like, Soph can punch. I was like, she said that, like that's a, like, she can throw, like that's a punch. And I was like, all right, now I got to, like, figure out how this, like, I control this, but, like, this isn't, this isn't, like, kids fighting. Like, she can throw a punch. And so we were at the park. And I hate, I hate parents. I hate parents. I hate the park because you don't fucking parent. Like, I don't, I just don't have time for you. I'm so bad at this. I am so bad. I hate the pool. Like, your kids suck. They're shitheads and you don't parent. I don't have time for it. So we're at the park. And I see it happening. I see the kid running around. I see his dad not give a shit. And he pushes my youngest like off of this, like about a four foot drop. And she fell straight on her back. And thank God, like the Lord made my brain like skip, or like dysfunction for a second, cause I didn't move, <laughs> thankfully. And she like, she moved so I could tell that she wasn't like, she didn't break her back. And then I see my oldest run around the corner with her hand like this. I was like, we're good, we good, we good,
1: we good. <laughs> I
3: was like, Soph, f- I'm like, I'm so proud. I'll tell you why later. But like, we are so good right now. And I'm just like looking at this dad being like, you have no idea how lucky you are. We, we're good right now. And I was just like, I saw her turn the corner. She didn't see me at all, but she watched the whole thing happen. And you just like see her like grip her hand. Good for I her. I was like.
2: See, that to make you feel pretty good because she got her
1: back.
3: He does. We've had we've had. Um, I'll tell you one other funny story about, about about that. Is you know my girls were one and three when we got divorced, and so they they've just grown up at six and eight. Just you know the two of them going back and forth between houses, and so they're, I mean they're pretty well behaved. Like they've met they they've met the vice president. They've had dinner with a lot of CEOs because I I was consulting in this world, and like I would have to bring them to things. So they've just they've just like been places and had to behave so they're 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 pretty good at knowing like what they can and can't do at certain places so I'm picking them up um and they're a daycare after school and they go to this private catholic school and you know unfortunately they're like the last ones that get picked up because it's like I'm gonna take right at six when I can get them and I'm like I'm exhausted the last two in the gym and this lady walks up to me and she's like well I had to send them to the principal's office today and I'm like hell like i'm like i don't like i'm every ounce of patience i got left right i'm like the hell for and she goes what this school we keep our hands to ourselves i'm like no shit at every school you keep your hands to yourself like thanks for the lecture but what happened and so i see the girls and they're like since they only see me half the time they usually sprint to see me and they're like walking slower like they're walking backwards, basically, across the gym to me, and I'm like, "The hell!" So I, my oldest is like, "Dad, like, you know, she was she was looking at me, and and I'm like, like, so stop, Soph.' I'm like, Mia, what? Happened? I Soph can't even spit it out, beside herself. And I'm like, Mia, what happened? Mia goes, "Dad, I I thought she was gonna hit Soph, so I just hit her first. I'm like, What are you talking? At what?" Like, I'm like, and the teacher's standing there, and I'm like, I get it. They hit somebody. I'll take care of it. I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's we have a rule in my house. If you tell the truth, you don't get in trouble. I find out the truth. So the problem is, you got to be willing to accept whatever they're going to tell you if that's your rule. So I'm like, y'all know the rule. So what's up? And Mia goes, Dad, we're playing tag. And mind you, they were in kindergarten and second grade last year. She was this fifth grader who was really picking on Soph. And I thought she was going to hit her. And Soph was really scared. So when the girl wasn't looking, I punched her right in the back. I said, okay. I'm like, Soph, what would you do? So the girl was nine, however old, nine. Yeah, fourth grader. I'm like, what did you do, Soph? And she's like, well, when she turned around to see Mia, I couldn't let her get Mia. So I punched her in the back. I was like, y'all hit this girl? And she's like, she was bullying us and she was going to hit me, dad. So we just did what we had to do. And I was like, one, you can't hit. You got in trouble at school. There's a consequence for that. Two, we get an ice cream. I was like, so five-year-old sister hit a nine-year-old for you. You had literally better never forget this. Yeah. I was like, and they do, like, they have each other's backs, like, and they weren't in trouble. I, you know, I'm like, look, you got a consequence from school and you got to deal with, that's the rule in school. Sometimes you got to make your own choices in life. But yeah, when I say they have each other's backs, like, um, and come to find out, like, this girl was bullying them. So I definitely like fact checked the story. And they dealt with it. And I, you know what, some parents will have an issue with you know me condoning hitting or whatever else but the reality is is that like look man you stand for nothing you fall for everything like it's six and eight if they know that you got to stand for something in life that you don't let people bully you you don't let people bully others i'm good with that
2: yeah absolutely dude Mm -hmm.
1: because
2: yeah i mean i you know i don't think to my knowledge i don't think my daughter's ever been bullied i don't think um but you know who knows because and I, that's what I was thinking about actually when I mean, you were telling me about the, the you know the gym teacher you know what there's lots of times now your kids probably are trained to tell you these things when they see them but I, i'm going to guess that most kids are not most kids are probably scared of whoever it is that's saying doing whatever their the situation is whether it's verbal whether it's physical mm-hmm. and you know and it goes back to the fear tactics, right? That The people that are doing these things scare the kids to the point that they won't say anything. And, 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 and who knows how often that happens? Who knows? I, I don't want to know. Like I, I don't want to know because I just want to know what's not
3: happening to my kid. And
2: that's, that's it.
3: Yeah. I mean, a lot of what I talk about, like on my parenting talks is again, I, I'm not some savant parent. I got thrown into a situation as a single parent where I had, I was in survival mode and I needed to figure shit out. I, I didn't have any help or support. It was just me. And I had to figure, figure it out. And through that, I figured a few things out that I never would have done had I been married. And honestly, as a very type A, you know, alpha conservative personality, I probably wouldn't even listen to if somebody else was telling me, if we're going to be really honest about it. And one of the things is that i I don't think anything would ever happen at their mom's house for example you know there's a lot it's a big family there's a lot of you know men in the family i would never ever even assume guess or project anything would ever happen statistically speaking that's where most things do happen So it's completely separate. There's nothing to say about my ex, their mom, their family, anything. But in the back of my head, I'm now half of the time, I'm not even in this. I'm not even around. I can't even evaluate situations. And so I just started thinking to myself, how do I create an environment with them where they'll just tell me things? Because I'm I'm not around even if I want to be, I can't be. And the byproduct has been, I look at situations like the gym teacher stuff, and I'm grateful that I hope we have a relationship where they will tell me things um, that, happen, that, that do or don't happen in those environments. Because those, those environments happen to families that aren't split up. Like I was, right. I was acting out of the side that says I'm not around half the time, so I, so I need to make sure they can always come to me. And what breaks my heart or what scares me is that that thought doesn't happen to most people that are obviously still married because they're always around their kids. And I never would have thought like this had I still been married. And so, you know, my, my hope is that one, you have to stand firm and like you won't get in trouble and and admit that because there's going to be a point. They tell me some shit that I'm not going to want to hear.
2: And you got to follow through. You You have
3: to follow through. You you have have to. The trust, it's like any other trust in the world. It takes a lifetime to build it and a moment to break it.
1: Damn.
3: And so you have to. And I, if if there's ever anything, I just, I because the reality is it's not just happening to your kids if it happens, right? Your kids aren't the only ones, but you might be the only parent that knows. And I pray that if, my daughters are ever even aware of something, that they know they have in a completely safe place where they can be confident and share it with me. It's not gonna expose them. They're not gonna get in trouble for it. It's completely safe because there might be a time where man, like you gotta be the only parent that knows and it might not even be happening to your kids. And so I pray that, that I, I'm the one that gets that info. And then I pray there's enough time between me and whoever that person is for me to cool off.
2: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, kind of emotion, you know, you know. I mean it's 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 really hard, but you mentioned emotional intelligence earlier, which is so important and so many people fuck. I don't think most people have social intelligence, to be honest with you. I don't think it's it's bizarre to me how you know somebody can walk in a room and just like literally be oblivious to anything or around them and, and i think emotional intelligence get back to that it's just so important and look I, i'm not i'm not 100 percent emotionally emotionally intelligent i can promise you but i work on it and i am aware of when my emotions are super high and i'm aware of what i need to do to not make another mistake or to say something stupid and that is, I have to shut myself off in my room by myself, be quiet, and just be pissed off with myself. Mm-hmm. Like if you ask me a bunch of questions, I wife starts asking it's not, not a good idea. It's just not, it's not formula doesn't work. You're like, I know what formula works. We I mean, just roll with that. And that's it. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't, yeah. and I don't want to talk about it at the time. I want to talk about it after, I want to talk about it when I'm ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's selfish, but either way, it's, like, it's the best outcome. Yeah, it oh. takes
3: it. Yeah, emotional intelligence I think also go hand in hand with with deductive reasoning. I don't, I don't, you know, the, you know, the phrase emotional intelligence or EQ or ER or whatever it is as, has become more marketed in the last handful of years. But what I don't think we talk nearly enough about is deductive reasoning. Like, I'm which, sure, I know what that is. Actually, now you, I, I don't know what that is. So it's the ability to deuce or to. Come to a conclusion on a limited set of facts. You know how can Mm -hmm. you, for example, you know how can you um, best guesstimate um, either the answer to a problem, um, a the feel of a room. How do you come up with with a conclusion or an answer without all the facts, but a subset of facts? And, you know, and, and how do you break down that subset? How quickly can you break down that subset? And then knowing what you know about either the environment or similar situations, how can you complete the fact pattern without actual facts, but knowing what you know about the environment to where then you can make a, make a conclusion. So I'll give you an example. Um, I, I would, this is hands down probably like my biggest trait is deductive reasoning, is getting like if somebody, if somebody asked me a question now, I can't think of the example. If somebody was asked me a question like, um, you know, golly, um, either how many of this happens? Like there, you get these questions too in consulting a lot, like how many potholes are in New York? You know, how many ping pong balls fit in an airplane? They're all based off deductive reasoning. How much can you deduce? How many facts can you take out of this to then apply logic, um, you know, to find your answer? So for me... I've always had deductive reasoning. I've always had the ability to find an answer, uh, to deduce an answer out of a limited fact pattern based on a heightened sense of awareness and emotional intelligence. And it wasn't until um, my ex-wife and I went to marriage counseling once and there was a situation where like, I had gotten home from a business trip, like she had busted her ass and cleaned the whole house. She had. And like, I had noticed I, I forgot what it was that I, I noticed that something wasn't clean. And so in the husband, wife, asshole moment, I make a comment about it. Wasn't even, I could have said it as nicely as possible. I, the biggest, one of the biggest issues in human communication is that people say something with one way and it's received it differently. And so information is not received in the same way. Intent that it is, you know, shared with. It's probably That's the right. biggest factor in any kind of miscommunication. So, my acknowledgement or me making this comment, it had no chance of survival in the first place because who would say that shit? And I remember, like, I remember sitting in the therapist room and being like, I just saw it. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't to take away from any of the other work. Like, I, I see everything that happens in a room. I see everything, I hear, I can hear everything, I can hear where people are in the house, I can see, I see it all, I'm like, what am I supposed to do, like, you know that I'm like this, so just please don't hate me for it, like, and the guy looks at me, and he goes, was there an alcoholic in your house, and I was like, yeah, like, like, I, I grew up, my dad was a severe alcoholic, like, super physical with me, not, but I, I you know, always, like, Protected my sisters and mom and like, and he was like, I bet you could hear everything in the house, couldn't you? I was like, man, no matter where I was in the house, I could tell you where everybody was. I could hear everything. I could see everything. I could remember how many drinks he had. Like my ability to base outcomes off of a limited set of facts. I mean, Corey, from an early age. And he was like, same with me. That's why he saw that dirt. He's like, you see everything. And I was like, wildest experience. I never thought about it. And Interesting. and it doesn't change the fact that like, I shouldn't have been a dick to my wife who just cleaned the whole house and point out the one little thing, but you'll never change the thing if you don't understand like where it comes from. Right. And It was, it was crazy to me because one, I really started to lean into my ability of deductive reasoning. Like I've really started to, over the last 10 years, like hone that craft, hone that skill. Like what's the best, every, everything in life is, is like your best estimate, like your best possible guess. Cause we don't know, we don't have a complete fact factor, pattern. So your ability to have deductive reasoning and have a logical answer or your best guess on your ability to fill out that fact pattern of unknowns is a huge skill. And it goes right in line with emotional awareness. You have to understand all the emotional levels in a room. And I, I, I've been practicing that since I was, unfortunately, as long as I can possibly remember. Because I could tell you, to the that I'm like, I'm no different. Like, I can be downstairs and hear. I can feel how people move in a house. I can see rooms. Um, just differently. So
2: though. For you, it was, you were protecting yourself by picking these things up. Right, I mean, yeah, that, that's
3: yeah, what I think. Right, totally. No, it was a, it was a it was a survival skill set, and I think one of the biggest things you can do in life is take. So the best attribute you've ever learned in life, you learned in a survival mode moment of your life. That that's true for like ninety percent of people. It's the ability to go from survival mode to something that's actually sustainable. Because so survival mode in life is not sustainable. It's simply not. You hit exhaustion, and then you make bad choices. Right. So it's your ability to go from survival mode to a sustainable, you know, way of life, whatever season of life you're in, but take those same skills and things that were successful, right. In survival mode, and then have them, you know, when you're, you know, in in a sustainable way of life. So sure. I learned those, I learned those things when I was in a fight or flight, you know, mindset early on as a kid. Um, But they run right in parallel with, with emotional awareness, like understanding how, your communication is being received. One, is probably one of the biggest keys to sales. It is
2: absolutely, dude, I t- I talk about this all the time because guess what? 66% of the time, you're not talking to somebody like you. Right. Because you may learn through auditory and I may learn through visual. And so therefore, if I'm explaining a story to you, I'll say, do you see what? I'm, do you see what I'm saying? Right. That sentence really doesn't even make sense because you can't see what I'm saying. But because I'm a visual, that's just how I describe it. But if you're auditory, you don't even pick up what I'm saying because I'm explaining to explain it to you in a visual. And if I can pick up on what you are
3: and speak your language, yeah. I'm going to get my point across. Sure. Hundred percent. I mean, it's that's, um, that's. I mean, it's a massive part it's a huge part of obviously sales it's a huge part of relationships and understand and really taking ownership you you might have been the reason why there was a miscommunication like you shared what you were sharing you shared in a way that wasn't being received and especially if you know how information is received because, because right. we I mean how many times have you heard you know what i was saying i right, motherfucker then say it and say it differently like wait you also know that i i don't i i didn't understand it right right. now we're arguing about the argument right and so and and here and
2: the point here is that it's not like you're calling the person you're not you're not saying that you're wrong you're just saying hey i don't learn that way like just tell me how i learn
3: well i don't speak that way
2: no but if you want me to understand what you're saying you got to speak my language
3: yeah and if you care if you and and i hate to say it like this but if you actually care then you'll listen when they tell you the ways in which they receive information. All I want you to do is hear what I'm saying the way that I'm saying it. That's that's all I really want. And if you want people to listen to you, make them feel heard when they share. I mean it's it's um and it's wild because you know with with the person I'm with now having the mindset that I want like our communication to work like makes me one like disgusted when I look back on relationships um, but it's insanely different. It's it's insanely different because things are always taken the wrong way. Like, they're always going to be taken the wrong way at some point in time. But the ability to say I took it the wrong way or I might have taken it the wrong way or you might have taken it the wrong way. Let's talk about like what that exchange was, it's like, jeez. Yeah. I don't even yeah. I, don't, I don't even, know how to like be in a relationship like this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Because when you come out of a, a nasty relationship, there's zero. Like you don't care how she's hearing you. And she doesn't care how she's hearing you. So you're right there. It's like, it's a disaster. How many people, Hey, okay, I can't even imagine how many people are married right now
3: that have absolutely no idea about this well yeah i think the hardest part of that is how many people want to have an idea about it like how many just don't give a shit and i'll tell you though the hardest relationship in life and this is no different than business and interesting you're significant other the hardest relationship in life is the is the healthy one after a toxic one um, I've been, I've worked for good companies. I've worked for bad companies. I've, I've had good clients. I've had bad clients. The hardest part about the, re- the relationship that I'm in right now is that it's a healthy one following a toxic one. And I'm like, there's certain moments where I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the hell to do right now. And she'll be like, aren't things good? I'm like, they're great. Like, can we, one of us needs to fuck up? Like, you should do the chaos. Totally. And, like, God bless her. I, this was, like, probably this was probably a month and a half ago. This is when I knew I was going to marry her. About a month and a half ago, I was being a dick for, like, three days in a row. And she's, like, she called me, but she goes, I don't know what the hell is wrong. And we're long distance right now. And she's, like, but I'm going to, I got to fly out there. Because, like, what's, like, what the hell is wrong? And I'm, like, nothing. What's wrong with you? Like, what do you mean? She's, like, no.
1: She's,
3: like, nothing's wrong like so I, what, what what is this and like flew out and like the reality was like nothing was wrong i had zero i had zero ability to like accept that like things were really good so then you naturally self-sabotage and you, one the scary part is you don't really feel it or recognize it unless you have enough awareness to give a shit which thank god i did and bless her for being like um because to her point she's like no i, I do want a healthy relationship and like I, so i don't accept this this is who you are and I was fooled for almost a year or it's not who you are and like we should I want to figure this out I was like okay but
1: this is no
3: different like you have no it was like it was it was very it was very um sobering very real uh and also very like look man I've had I I know what shit looks like with the person in life that that isn't going to do that so like I'm not letting the one go who is like this, but again like clients and business is no different too. It's like if you have a su- uh, maybe even like there might be might, they might even be overpaying you, but it's this constant bitching and it's the customer service is out the window and it's all this stuff. You get a good client and you end up treating them like shit. Yeah. And then you've lost yeah. both, and you're like, wait, like why is this my like? How did I go? How did I go wrong? So it, it has a lot of parallels, you know, whether it's relationships or business. And even with our kids, like and as a parent, you know, you'll have the ability. There's a book. It's called, it's called The Big Leap. And it's like your ability to actually accept good shit in your life happening. It's scary true. It's
2: interesting because I, I know that book. I haven't read it, but I dare Oh, look me. Oh, look at that. I'm like, no, I have even seen the book right there. All right
3: isn't that it so so here's it so we'll the book yeah 100% so that book was given to me years ago right when it first came out and i and I, it was on my bookshelf because it was given to me by someone who i respected as a person but not as a professional i'm like don't give me your okay. book i don't need your book or i don't i don't need a suggestion so one of my mentors is worth an ungodly amount of money she's probably the most powerful woman in Philadelphia a dear friend of mine and she's like, you know, like I really think you should read The Big Leap. She was, I read it in a weekend. I'm like, you read it? She's like, it was. She's like, I couldn't put it down. I, I there, there's not another woman I respect more professionally than her. I know that much. I was like, she, she was like, I couldn't put it down. And and it and it dawned on me. So I've read it twice. I read it about five years ago, and I read it recently. And it's one of these books that will 100% apply to you differently in life all the stories are of people like michael dell but then you're like well i'm not him so i can't attach to this but listening to her like have this like she, like, she you know really, really impactful to her i'm like well shit if it's impactful to you i can like, i'll take your advice sure and it's, it's really good it's really fascinating on this ability and it happens to guys a lot like us who I don't want to say that we thrive in chaos because that's just a total false reality. No one thrives in chaos. Chaos creates chaos. We convince ourselves of some stupid bullshit that like we have to have some obstacle to overcome. And it's the biggest psycho babble nonsense there is. Like how much more could you do if you didn't have stupid obstacles that you put in your way? But it talks about that. Like in the first half, the book makes you feel really hokey. And in the second half the book ties it together. And you're like, why like, why why are you, why is it not okay for you to not have like an abundance of love in your life? Like why is it not okay for you to have like an abundance of success in your life? Like why is that bad? Like why don't you allow yourself to have that? And you're like, well, I don't I don't know. But you don't we all like that's why the self-sabotage is a real is a real thing. And it talks about that, like goes all in on that. And he, he talks about how like there's certain guys that he works with that just refuse to let themselves like reach their next level um it's 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 really good it was eye-opening to me and i'll tell you what it had to be recommended by somebody because at that point in my life i was definitely ego-driven for sure even just two years ago and thankfully she gave it to me because i was like well i mean i'll read your recommendation sure why not and i was like she like sent it to me and like wrote me a little note in it and i'm thinking myself like i have the fucking book on my shelf i didn't i didn't tell her that but i was like yeah read it
2: dude that's this is so timely and let me tell you why and like look i it took me a moment to get my head wrapped around this and i'm not so sure that i'm entirely wrapped around it but i've got to give my wife some credit like she's she's got me these fucking tarot cards and shit and i'm like all right let's just roll with it let me hear you know and and surprisingly almost i'm going to say nine times out of ten it's been pretty goddamn accurate now i don't know how i don't know how that works i don't know how it's so accurate but it does seem accurate and the last one self-sabotage the last one that came up the last one she read was like you're you're sabotaging something in your life that's preventing you from moving forward and when she said that i'm like Yep, probably. Yep, probably. But I'm glad we had this conversation about this book because, well, I don't know how long it's been sitting here. I got it from somewhere. I don't know where, um, mm-hmm. but I've never read it. So uh, I definitely will read it. All right, brother, we got to wrap up. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to listen to this whole podcast, but that's okay. It's been an awesome conversation, dude.
3: And we'll get, we'll get into more of the fun stuff more of the politics in and the, and the second time we do this absolutely it's good though man it was a great conversation yeah it was so i appreciate you being on the show brother and uh, by the way tell absolutely. everybody where they can find where they can find you yeah for sure so um i've got all all public profiles so on instagram i'm at carl epolito on tiktok i am at girl dad underscore single dad um it's all we have a, we have a pretty massive following there it's all good uh it's parenting and faith-based stuff, and um, soon you'll see we'll have, we'll have a whole merch line coming out, uh, and then the book, which is treating kids like clients. So the book will be finished in four weeks, and it will be published by my birthday, October thirtieth. So we'll have pre-orders coming out for that in the next probably eight weeks. So yeah, treating treating kids like clients, about wrapped up. I'm excited for it, dude. When that happens, you know, whenever that, whenever your book gets
2: released, we'll absolutely book another time and. You know, let's let let everybody know, you know, where it is and how for to get sure. it. So, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely.
1: If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on Successful Life com. This is the Successful Life.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast.